Good afternoon. You're listening to WBEW LP Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station. This is Indigo Radio, making connections and deepening understanding. My name is Corey Sorensen. I'm a fourth grade teacher at Guilford Central School, and I'm here in the studio with one of my students, Chase Thomas. And Chase is a student at my school. Chase, how does it feel to be in the radio station? Nervous, but I think this is going to be fun. Yeah, so we're both excited to share a project that we've been working really hard on um, this last week called the Voices of the People of Guilford Project. So this episode is going to be an episode that was mostly put together by the entire fourth grade class, which is uh, consists of interviews that they've done with people in the Guilford community. So before we get into playing the interviews of the show, we're going to play a song and get kind of settled in and uh, share with you about the projects that we did this week. So this song is called Everything's Got em by Harry Nilsson. And here we go. Oh, got to plug it in first. This is the town and these are the people This is the town where the people all stay This is the town and these are the people That's the way they wanted it That's the way it's going to stay Everything's Got Them by, uh, by Harry Nilsson. So, Chase, let's begin by talking a little bit about what we did for this project. So the Voices of the People of Guilford project is in connection with the diversity and equity theme uh, in our school district this year, which is Voices of the People. And in the project, we decided, um, myself and Judy Dow, Abenaki artist and educator, uh, who worked on the project with us decided to make a quilt that represented voices in Guilford that aren't usually told, that aren't usually featured. Um, so we called the quilt Voices of the People of Guilford. And we decided to focus on working people in Guilford, past and present, and also told stories um, of historical figures in Guilford that aren't generally told. So one of the stories that we researched and studied was the Abenaki people in Guilford, recognizing that the Abenaki uh, is, 
Ndakina is the land that we're on, and specifically the Sokoki people in Guilford. And Chase, you were actually one of the few kids that researched the Abeniki villages that were actually in Guilford. Did you want to say anything about what you learned when you were doing that research? Well, well, what I thought about it was that it got confusing about which places the tribes were, I don't know how to describe it, but where all the Beniki and where all the Beniki and um, other people were. So I thought it was confusing at first, but more study made it easier for me to recognize. And then we realized that there was trading along the south and east, I believe. Mm-hmm. And of Guilford, of Guilford. Yeah, there were two spots. So it was so cool watching you doing that research with Judy Dow because you had Google Maps open and you were looking at archaeological documents and trying to find these two different spots. And when we drive around Guilford, we don't we don't readily see signs of the people that were there because because of the way that things are now. So it was so cool for you to just. Dis- for you to find where those spots were. And you said it was confusing finding those spots. And so one of the questions that you asked Judy was, um, you said, how do you find, how do you find where villages were in different places of Vermont? So I have a clip of you asking Judy that question. Should I play that clip? Sure. Like, how did you discover like Abenaki villages and stuff like that. Well, some I knew. So I'm from up north, right? Yeah. Winooski. Winoos is an Abeniki word for wild onion. A key is a word, Abeniki word for land. So Winooski is the place, the land of the wild onion. Oh, so that's where a lot of people get onions? <laughs> wild onions, yeah. Okay. But down here, remember we looked on the archaeological maps? Yes. We found some floodplains along the the um, uh, Green River, yes. and that were villages. And we also found some along um, where Interstate 91 is, um, that heads up towards the um, what do you call it? rest area, welcoming center. So there, there was some nice big villages there as well. So that was Chase interviewing Judy Dow, who uh, helped us tremendously with this project, really drove a lot of the thing, along with Veranda Porsche, who is a local poet that lives in uh, Guilford, who worked closely with the kids writing poems about all of the people they interviewed. So we interviewed uh, 28 different people, uh, including kids at Guilford Central School and working people in Guilford. And um, one of those people that we interviewed was Amy Frost. Amy Frost is a, a local vegetable farmer who works at Circle Mountain Farm. And here's a clip of Sam in Camden interviewing Amy Frost about her work. What part of your job is most important to you? Hmm. I think, I think trying to grow as much food as I can and get it to people who need it um, and, and get it to people who can afford it, um, I think that's the most important part. So accessibility to the food and to really try to support um, local food production here. I think that's the most important part for me. What does it take to maintain the farm? A tremendous amount of physical labor. <laughs> um, long hours, very, very, um, very low pay farming, 
but a lot of work, um, a lot of cooperation. It, it, is a, it is a very, very hard thing to do um, a big farm like that on your own. We're a very small farm, we're three acres, um, but we don't have like a, a riding tractor. And so we, we really rely on a lot. Um, you said you, you try to make your food, you try to make your food affordable. And can you tell me more about that? Yeah, um, as a farmer, I don't make a lot of money. And so farmers are, farmers and farm workers. I think when you're on a small farm, you're, you, I'm both the farmer and a farm worker. And farm workers in the world do not make a lot of money. Um, so if I can't, if I can't afford the food that I grow and sell, then I'm not, then I'm not taking care of, of the needs of the people, because most of the people are poor. You know, most people in the world are poor. So I, I think I try to survive and, and it's, it, it's expensive and it takes a lot of work. And so I, I need to, to try to make money on things and I need to make sure that I'm that I'm keeping that I'm keeping things affordable maybe not all things maybe there's fancy things that we do you know maybe the pickles are kind of a fancy thing um, so someone could get cucumbers and make their own pickles for less money or if they have the money to just buy the pickles and they can buy the pickles so I just try to be mindful of having it be sustainable um, because I need to make enough money to afford to farm, <coughs> to have a farm, and, um, and to do that. So that was Sam and Camden interviewing Amy Frost. And the cool thing that they did is they re-listened to all of their interviews. And Sam, Sam who focused on uh, documenting Amy Frost in his poem, really took this project seriously and re-listened to the interview and pulled out what he thought were the most essential and important parts of the interview, including this clip that I played. And then working with Veranda Porsche, they put together poems that captured not only the individual who they interviewed, but the kind of work that they do. So this is the poem that Sam came up with at, on Amy Frost, and this is a clip of him reading the poem. Amy's Potatoes, Circle Mountain Farm by Sam Mathis. Some people say the world is my oyster. For Amy Frost, it's a potato. We go out, sun hot, mouths dry. We harvest all day for the people. We must go on. Feed them at low prices to help the poor. Potatoes, squash, and more. With friends close by, I've always been here, but I've never known what it would be. The earth and the farm keep me humble. So that's Sam's poem about Amy Frost. And Susan Bonthrum is also a local Guilford person who helped us put these poems and original artwork into this book. And so you can look at um, the, the, the artwork in the book, which corresponds with one of the squares of the quilt while you're reading the poem. And each kid got to do a border around the poem. And Sam's border around his poem is uh, the different kinds of vegetables that Amy grows. And then in each corner, there's a fist to represent that Amy's working for justice. And the next interview that we're going to play a clip of is Kathy Wilkin, our local librarian, who's been a librarian at the Guilford Free Library for about 20 plus years and was a teacher of young children before that. And N Natalie was very excited to interview Kathy Wilkin and her picture that she drew really represented Kathy Wilkin. And we'll play the clip first and then talk a little bit about uh, what she drew. Camden Shepherd and Natalie Knutson. It's April 20, 23rd. We are interviewing Kathy. He's a restaurant. In 2019. Um, and you're interviewing Kathy. What's your last name? Kathy Wilkin. Kathy Wilkin. 
Mm -hmm. So, um, how did you learn to do this job? How did I learn to do this job? Well, um, I used to be a teacher of little children. And um, one thing I liked to do was read a lot of books with little children. And so one time the librarian stopped working here and people asked me if I would do it. So I didn't know much about the job when I started. I had to learn. I took some courses um, at the State Department of Library. And mostly, I just talked with people about what they wanted to read. And I kind of knew how to read the children already. And so I just learned while I was doing it, mostly. When did you start, Kathy? Uh, 20 years ago, last, 21 years ago. We had my 20th anniversary last July, last August. Nice. Um, why did you pick this job? Why did I pick this job? I, when they asked me if I would do it, I said, ooh, librarian, that sounds dull. All you do is sit around and look at books. I don't think so. And then... I came to work the first day, and it was so much fun. I'm still here. Right. So um, you also raise sheep? I do. Um, about 25 years ago, I, I bought three sheep to mow my meadows. <laughs> and I didn't have enough sheep to mow the meadows. So I kept having them have babies until I had enough sheep to mow the meadows. And now today, we have 12 big sheep and 11 little lambs that were born in the last week and a half. So that was Natalie and Camden interviewing Kathy Wilkin. And the cool thing about the drawing that Natalie did is that she took uh, Kathy's work as a sheep Herder and working with sheep and her work as a librarian. Chase, do you want to explain what she drew and what she was telling the class as she was drawing it? Well, she she drew a sheep and and a book in a library and the book's name was called Lamb, which I thought was kind of funny because doesn't Kathy have lambs also yeah. as well? Yeah, so kind of a neat image of a sheep reading a book to little children. And in Natalie's poem, she wrote about the inspiring library. She wrote about how Kathy, has, Kathy loves flocks of sheep and flocks of children. And the next interview is uh, some, a lot of kids chose to interview their parents. And Sadie was one of them who interviewed her father, Dan Cheslowski. So we'll play her poem or we'll play her part of her interview followed by her poem, and you can see how she pulled details from the interview to inform her poetry. Jerome, and I'm interviewing Dan Chalowski. Dan, what's your job? Um, I work for line well drilling, and I work on all the well pumps, water tanks. Um, we drill wells for new houses. Uh, and basically, you know, do water conditioning and filtering on water. Why did you pick this job? I picked this job because it's nice to be able to, you know, see everybody, and we basically make sure that people have good water and that the water is, you know, running for them and that type of thing. What's a typical day? A typical day is we do a lot of traveling because we work in uh, Massachusetts, Vermont, and New Hampshire, so... It involves, you know, we get calls from people when they're, either their well pumps don't work or they want a new well, so we end up traveling around and going to those houses, working on either the well pumps and tanks, or we have the big drill rigs that go around and drill new wells. What is the best part of your work? I think the best part is actually being able to get things fixed for people. When we show up and their water just isn't working, 
Um, then, you know, by the time we work on it, usually we have it all running in the same day. And just the excitement on people's faces to see that, you know, everything back working for them. Can you tell us a story about, um, tell us a story about fixing somebody's well up? Yep. Um, well, every now and then what we'd come across is actually some of the old wells used to be buried in the ground. So you actually can't see the well at all. So we actually have had quite a few where we show up to somebody's house. Um, they don't know where the well is. So we actually have to start from inside. Um, we have a little detector that we can actually follow the water line out. We try and find the well in the yard. Then we end up there with a little excavator. We have to dig it all up and stuff. And um, usually takes us a whole day by the time we find the well. Then we actually weld onto this steel casing. So we weld onto that, bring it above the ground. Um, end up putting in, usually at that point, we put in a new pump, new wires, all that stuff, new pressure tank in the basement. Um, but quite often we get there and, you know, people may have been without water for anywhere from, you know, a day to a week type of thing. Um, but when we get there, generally in that one day, we can have it all up and running and have them back to going. And it is, it's amazing to see how surprised they are to see the water come back out the faucet again. So that was actually Isaiah Giroux interviewing uh, Dan Cheslowski. Sadie was absent that day, but she did uh, write a poem about him that I can't find, and that's why we had a little bit of blank space here. Um, but I will try to pull that up during another interview and play that a little bit later, Amy or Sadie uh, writing a poem about her dad, the well driller. Uh, coming up next is uh, Kaylee interviewing uh, Dan Zimbruski, who's our road commissioner. What is a typical day at your work? A typical day? A mm -hmm. uh, typical day is we go into work, we start at 6 o'clock in the morning, we get done at 3.30, and uh, we always got roads to grade, culverts to clean, uh, haul gravel. It's a lot of times you get a windstorm and you've got trees that come down, we go cut the trees out of the road. So that's basically the typical typical day at work. What part is the hardest? Oh, uh, I'd say probably mud season is the worst. Winter time's not too bad. I mean, because it's snowing and you get freezing rain. Mud season is when people don't have a sense of humor because <coughs> the roads are they get muddy and they really can't go very good because they get stuck in the mud. So and it's mud's hard to keep up with. Dan Z and his guys by Kaylee Whalen. 75 miles of road curve up and down throughout Guilford. 60 of them dirt. Everybody needs to get somewhere, so the roads need to be smooth. For 40 years, Dan and his guys have prevented bad things from happening. Cars doing 360s on black guys. Cars getting stuck in the mud. In the middle of the night, Dan calls his guys out of bed to plow and sand the roads so they're ready for people to drive on in the morning. People are sleeping while the guys are working, keeping everybody safe. So that was part of Kaylee's interview with Dan Zimbruski and her poem that goes along with the interview. We have lots of student voices that are very excited to be on the radio, so we have lots of clips of different interviews that we're trying to fit in. And... Also, I'll be trying to pull up Sadie's poem, which is in my email somewhere, but I haven't been able to transfer it over to the iTunes application. Next is uh, Macy Kachuk, and she's interviewing her mother who works at our pre-K at our school. And so he, the interesting thing about our preschool program is that it's uh, largely an outdoor program, and there are little buddies. Chase, do you want to say anything about going out and playing with uh, pre-K on Fridays in the woods? I would love to. Um, on Fridays, I'm usually tired, but that doesn't stop me from going outside and playing with the pre-Kers. I kind of think of it as an extra recess because, for one, we get to play, but for two, 
We also have to play over PK Buddies, but that's okay. They have a lot of fun with us. And, and it's amazing the kind of learning that happens during that time. We've gone out and cooked uh, bread over the fire, mm-hmm. and we've sung songs together and read books together. So while it feels like a second recess, it's because it's the kind of learning that's fun and it flies by because you're in the flow and you get to be with little kid buddies who are so cute. And here's Aaron's experience this year as a pre-K teacher. This is Macy. And Sam. It is April 22nd, 2019, and we are going to be interviewing Aaron Kitschuk, that is a pre-K teacher at our school. Um, what is the best part about teaching kids? Um, making a difference in their lives and just being a part of their growth and development is really, really fun. And they're pre-K kids, so they're hilarious. And I love listening to their little jokes. <laughs> Do you enjoy having an outdoor classroom? I love having an outdoor classroom, especially today because it was 60 degrees and <laughs> kids were able to dig in the dirt and find worms and the snow is gone and it just feels really good to be outside. And they love it. I was curious what a typical school day in the woods and out of them would look like. So our schedule, you want to know what our schedule's like? When we get to school, kids eat breakfast first, and then they get to do kind of like a free choice in our classroom. Um, And our schedule actually just changed because it's spring. So around 9 o'clock, we clean up, and we have a quick circle, and by 9.20, we're outside. And we bring a wagon with hand-washing water and bug spray and sunscreen and all of the kids bring their snacks outside and we eat snack out in the woods which is really fun Um, and then they just do more free play in the woods we do small groups which um, today I read a book to the kids about nature letters because we're trying to find nature letters Um, are nature letters like how you see Mm -hmm. the letters of the alphabet like in the trees or pieces Mm -hmm. of grass or something that sounds like fun yes it's really Mm -hmm. fun and it's amazing once you're you know thinking about those things how you slow down and like really look at what's around you um so where was i so yep we're in the woods and then around lunchtime we split into two groups and one group goes in and has story before lunch then we have lunch and then rest, and the second group gets a story, and then we'll go to specials, today's music, and then we get to go outside again on the playground. So we spend a lot of time outside. Today was about, it'll be about three and a half hours totally outside. Everyday Teachers by Macy Kachuk, helping kids learn to see Hear, remember, share, every day, one by one, every day, listening to their thoughts, learning from their kids, Mondays, Tuesdays, every day. They never stop caring every day. The Hard Day by Sadie Chazowski. For my dad, Dan Chazowski, Bell Driller. 5 a.m., pitch black. My dad takes caution. There's a burst in the pipes. Everything gets drenched. He digs so deep and finally hears a clunk and finds diamonds surrounding the pipes. Water bursting from deep down in the earth. After, he and the people are gleaming with happiness. So that was a uh, Macy and Sam interviewing Aaron as one of our teachers, followed by Macy's poem about Aaron and then... Sadie's poem about her dad, the well driller, that I found afterwards. Um, the amount of times that the things that we learned from the workers in town um, overlapping with the content that we're learning in class was amazing. For example, Chase's experience learning about archaeological sites in Vermont or in Guilford as we're learning Vermont history. And then another one that I was thinking of is Charlie's experience learning about 
good enough rubbish and how they uh, turn trash into energy right after a robust energy unit that we did. So here's part of Charlie's interview with his family who works for good enough rubbish and sort of how he was processing uh, transfer of energy while he was learning about his family's work. Uh, all our trash is dumped at our transfer station on Mercury Drive, and that's where it's loaded into tractor-trailer trucks. And then from the tractor-trailer truck, it's hauled to Concord, New Hampshire, which is a wheel abrader, which burns trash, which is turned into energy, which is made into power. What is a wheel abrader? Well, the wheel abrader is actually the company name, but the the place that we dump our trash, um, it's it's like a huge pit, and um, there's a giant crane in there that looks like kind of like one of the where you try to get a toy out of the you put a quarter in and it has a claw, and it picks up huge clumps of trash out of the hole and dumps it down a shaft. And it's an incinerator in there, so all of the trash gets burned at an extremely high heat, which the heat is what helps, which creates steam, which turns the turbine, which the turbine makes power. And so it's a clean, green uh, way of disposing of trash. And uh, everything is, all the exhausts and stuff are uh, regulated as far as what they can put back into the air. So it kind of like picks it up like a claw machine. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, like a claw machine, and it, it's a huge pit. I mean, it holds huge, huge, huge amounts, like tractor trailer loads and loads and loads and loads, and it can just it just goes down, and the guy sits way up on top, and he lowers it down, and it picks up a big clawful, and it drops it down in, and they depending on seasons and you know weather and stuff like that they have like wetter burns not as well as drier um and we don't they don't accept what they call demolition either which is a wood product so they don't burn that stuff there what would it take for us to make this process stay green well i can just say that it would be to continue to recycle in uh Use as many you know receptacles as you can, and throw away uh, the least that you can, and uh, think about um, packaging of certain items. You know, mm-hmm. you can compost what you want, or you know, but there's a lot of a lot of things that come in huge packages and stuff like that. Try to uh, recycle as much as you can. So that was, that was Charlie, and it sounded like Kaylee. Was that Kaylee with him interviewing? Yeah, yeah uh, it was Kaylee. Uh, Charlie O'Connell at Good Enough Rubbish, and we've got a couple short clips that kids edited coming up. So I'm just going to introduce all of them uh, right away. We have students who interviewed uh, Michelle Frisi, who we should give a huge shout out to because right now she's a curator at. Um, the Guilford Historical Society, which has got a lot of really great artifacts there. And right now they're featuring our quilt that we just made at the quilt show that's in Guilford. You can see the quilt today from two to four, I believe, up at the Guilford Meeting House in Guilford Center. And there's a lot of other pretty great quilts there to see. So this is an interview with Michelle, uh, followed by Michelle Frisi, followed by a clip from our custodian, Mike Bingham, and then from Jared Bristol as a Green Mountain Power lineman, and then a clip from Jason Johnson, who's a security officer. So I'm going to just play this stream of clips along with poems that were written about these workers. What poems your job is most important to you? good one. There's lots of things that are really most important to me as being able to preserve Guilford history and share it with the students here at the school. I really enjoy having all the classes come to visit and creating different displays and being able to 
take care of all of the donations that people in town give to us and um, change them often so that it's interesting when all of the kids visit. How do you feel about your job? I love my job. It's a lot of work, and it's a year-round job. It's a volunteer job, I should cl clarify. But it, it it's very rewarding because of all of the different people that I meet, and I, I get to help people put together their family history, their genealogy. I do a lot of research for them, and so they can learn who their grandparents were, great-grandparents, and find out their importance in Guilford history or learn about their lands and their homes. So it's it's very exciting to me to help people discover things they didn't know before. How, how did you learn to be like a good at fixing things? Um, well, to learn to be good at fixing things is by making mistakes and uh, figuring out how to do them the right way and asking for help and um, humbling yourself and understanding when you can't tackle something yourself and uh, getting other people to help you. What is the hardest part of your job? The hardest part would be the time commitment because at any point we would have to, while eating dinner or birthday parties or Christmas, if the power goes out, I need to go to work. Um, number four. How, many, how do you feel about your job? Hmm. I feel it's good. It's a good job. It pays well. Um, the hours aren't great because I work third shift, but it gives me time to spend during the day with my kids where I didn't have that option before because when I'm out working at night now, um, they're sleeping, so I just take a nap when they're in school during the day, and then I get some time with them in the afternoon. My Dad, Jason Johnson, The Security Guard, by Alex Johnson. The wind is blowing and knocking over or destroying the plant wires. He calls on his walkie-talkie. Three guards come and help. All night long, he walks around one tiny building where all the important files are kept. Back and forth, back and forth. It's a hard job with a good use. The best part is coming, coming home, seeing his kids and saying, I missed you and I'm glad you're back. So you can see from this string of um, interviews, which was Malachi who was interviewing Michelle Frissi, then it was Harley and Eli interviewing Mike Bingham, our custodian, then Haley Bristol interviewing her father as the Green Mountain Power lineman, and then Alex Johnson, whose poem we just heard as she interviewed her dad, the security guard. Kids were pulling out parts of the interviews that were important and meaningful to them and then sharing that in their poem. And if you don't go up to the meeting house today to see the book of poetry and the quilt, you can also see the uh, the project displayed at 118 Elliott Street for the month of May. May 3rd is Diversity Day. Our Diversity Day celebration is going to be on Elliott Street from, I think, 5 to 8 p.m. on Friday, May 3rd, which is also Gallery Walk. It's going to be a great celebration with, with different kinds of performances and food and student artwork. So we hope to see you there in, uh, enjoying the project. Um, the work that we've, the hard work we've done all year. And so I'm going to continue with an interview. This is, uh, this is Lizzie LeClaire and another student who I'll mention after interviewing Retha, our bus driver. What inspired you to be a school bus driver? Well, I was a fairly new mom. My youngest was two and a half at the time, and I really didn't want to put him in daycare. And I heard that being a bus driver, I could keep my kids with me and not have to put them in daycare. So that's what I did. So it allowed me to be home with my kids and have summers and vacations off with my kids. What is most important about your job? 
Um, making sure that I instill the safety rules in all the kids. Safety is definitely the number one most important thing of my job. There's a lot of things the school bus drivers have to think of when they're driving and be aware of their surroundings outside the bus, inside the bus. So safety is definitely the number one most important thing. What is the hardest part? Well, depending on the day, um, some days could be student management, making sure that all the kids listen and pay attention to, again, the safety rules, making sure the kids remember the safety rules. But it's not always just the kids that need to remember the safety rules, it's the parents that need to know them as well to help teach the kids the safety rules. You know, proper ways to cross the road in front of the bus, you know, no running or pushing when you're getting on and off the bus, being kind to each other. What, it, what skills does it take to do the job well? A whole lot of patience. Lots and lots of patience. Retha, our bus driver, by Lizzie LeClaire. Honk, 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 wild turkey in the road. It's dark out when you start driving. It's dark out when you're done in winter. We don't hear you talking, but your eyes are watching. Your hands are lightly turning on the steer turning the steering wheel, calmly listening, calmly watching. No matter how, the weather's changing. Snow to rain, rain to sun, sun to clouds. You keep us safe, warm and cool, warm and cool as you, Retha. This is Chase, a fourth grader at Guilford Central School. Um, a thing I would like to say about Retha is that she, lo I know that she loves being a buff bus driver and I'm very thankful for for it because if she didn't um I don't know what would happen she really does she spends a lot of time making sure that you're safe and I liked how in Lizzie's poem she said warm and cool warm and cool like you Retha would you ex describe Retha as warm as in kind to people and also cool what I would She's your bus driver, right? Yeah. Do kids get kind of riled up on the bus sometimes? Um, actually, it's mostly every day. <laughs> so can you imagine having that job where you got to focus driving around on those roads and kids are all riled up? And, and screaming. Yeah. No, I could not imagine it. So she said patience, a lot of patience. And coming up next is an interview with uh, Peter Welch, who is a Mason in Guilford. Today is eight, April 23rd, 2019. Uh, I, I'm Eli Welch, and this is... Harley Johnston. And, and we are interviewing Peter, Wel Peter Welch. And so, Peter, what is your job? Hi guys, uh, it's great to be here. Uh, my job is I take care of old uh, old buildings that are around in the area and um, that are made of bricks and stone. And they tend to be about 150 years old and they all kind of need work right about now. So and I would consider myself a mason. So I'm a brick or a stone mason and I do restoration. Why did you pick this job? Well, I was working with a carpentry crew, um, picking up shingles. I had wanted to learn how to build my own house. And then when I, this was, I was just out of high school and I wanted to learn how to build my own house. And which around here, everything's made of wood. So I, I was working with a carpentry crew, and um, I didn't know anything actually. And I was the one who was picking up shingles and like picking it, you know, cleaning the job site. And um, when I was, you know, I'd show up and I was learning every day, and um, and we were building all kinds of things, um, which still stand today. And the old, in any of one of these buildings, there was a chimney that needed to be built for the furnace 
or for the heating uh, unit. And the old guy, whose Uncle Ernie, would come around. And I, since I was the youngest and the newest guy, they would say, All right, Pete, Uncle Ernie's coming. You're going to work with him for a couple weeks. Now, don't make him mad. You better work really hard because he's really old and he'll, make, he'll get mad at you. <laughs> and I said, uh, okay. And uh, so Uncle Ernie showed up that next day at, you know, 6.50, 6.55, and we started at 7. And he said, all right, start, you know, bring me the brick and the mortar. And... Um, and we just got going. And, you know, I really enjoyed the, that particular craft and that particular trade. And it really stuck with me as being something I was really interested in. And, um, and Uncle Ernie, he, he wound up really liking me. And we, he called me Tutong Pete. Because I could go up a ladder with... Two tongs of brick, which is the, the devices that you could hold. You hold a bunch of bricks together. And I would go up the ladder holding two tongs without holding onto the ladder, which you're not supposed to do, but that's what I would do to stay ahead. And, um, and we just really liked each other. And we, we actually went on to do more jobs together. And, and it just, I, I was introduced to something that really like, got me got my juices going and I and I was like you worked really hard and you got a lot of respect from a lot of the other people and I just really liked it and my brain was then attached to this idea of well how do I get better and what do I do and so it's been a lifetime of learning since that moment really another cool thing about Pete is um, that he also teaches us four winds, which if you don't know what four winds is, it's a science nature program that our school does, which is really fun. Yeah, so Pete's got a good relationship with the students in this class, and so it's fun for them to learn about what he's, what kind of work he's doing outside of school. We're starting to come uh, to the end of our show. We've got about 10 minutes and lots of interviews and voices that we still want to air. So I'm going to try to um, maybe clip some of them a little bit short, but get as many of these voices in as we can. Um, Another one that was very meaningful was uh, Silas Philgate, a tree worker, Mm. who has a... um, a son in, who's in our class who has never seen his father climb a tree before. So Silas came in, did the interview, and then demonstrated a tree climbing. What did you think about when he did that tree climbing? Well, at first I was kind of nervous because I didn't want him to get hurt. <laughs> but once he came down, out, I realized, well, that has got to be fun. Yeah, so let's listen to a clip of Silas talking about his work and then... Um, we'll follow that by having a conversation with you, Chase, uh, about Doug Richmond uh, as a mechanic. Yeah. Hi, my name is Avon Williams. And Leah Philgate. Hey. And we're, today we're interviewing Silas Philgate on April 23rd, 2019. So, what is your job? Um, I run a chainsaw and I climb trees for a living. How do you feel about your job? I love my job. Oh. Um, how, mu- um, how many hours do you work? Well, that all depends. It depends on around, the, around the weather. If the weather is real bad, I don't work that many hours. And if the weather is good, I work as many hours as I can. What is the best part of your work? The best part of my work is doing the kind of work that I love and being out in, in the weather, out, out in the... Oh, what do you call it? Out in, out in nature and enjoying, enjoying all the weather. What is a typical day? Silas Philgate, tree worker by Avon Williams. He used to climb the jungle gym, and now he runs a chainsaw and climbs trees for a living. Loving being out in nature, out in the weather. He's careful around power lines Staying safe and making sure that the job's done right. 
He relies on his equipment, puts on his gear, helmet, safety glasses, gloves, and straps on his climbing saddle. He's fit as a monkey in a tree, but it can't be easy being so high up and carrying a chainsaw. Oops. So that was Avon Williams, and he was uh, writing a poem about Silas Philgate, his dad. Um, one of the kids were going out with iPads and microphones, and there's a little bit of uh, technical snafus and things happening along the way. And one of them, unfortunately, was when Chase was interviewing Doug Richmond. But fortunately, we do have Chase here in the studio today, who's going to tell us a little bit about his interview with Doug Richmond, who is a uh, mechanic at Auto or at Richmond Auto Repair. Chase, tell us what you remember about that interview with Doug. Well, I remember when he was a kid, he liked to take apart his toys, put them back, and and the reason he took apart his toys was to see how they worked. Mm. Interesting. And so what what parts of his job that he does now do you remember? Well, I remember him saying, like, work is kind of like Tetris. Oh, like the video game Tetris. Yeah. Which you probably connected to because I know you love video games. And I also like Tetris. <laughs> you also like Tetris? I don't think I can. Um, so, um, he, but when he could work on the cars, he, he said that, he used to use this thing called a creeper, and a creeper goes underneath the car, so he can work underneath it. But now, but now he gets now he has lifts, which are really useful now because oh. they lift the car up. Oh, so he doesn't have to creep under the car. Instead, he can bring the car above himself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else you wanted to share, but that stuck out to you about interviewing Doug Richmond? Well, the thought that I came to me that I thought was kind of weird was that his dad was a professor. Oh. And he's a mechanic. Mhm. Wow, that's really interesting. And the another cool thing about you interviewing Doug Chase is that well, Doug Richmond's auto repair and Chase and I all kind of reside in the same area, which is the Algiers village in Guilford. And how interesting for you to learn about somebody who works next to you every single day. And did you know that much about Doug Richmond before you interviewed him? All I knew was there was a shop there. I didn't know if it was open. I didn't know why there were cars there. Yeah, I was always confused when I dro- drove back by it. And so what do you think about playing your poem that you wrote after doing the interview well i i had to think really hard and i knew there was a tiger on the on the sign of doug richmond auto repair so i thought about mentioning it because i like animals so let's give a listen of uh to you reading your poem in class when we recorded it all right The Tiger on the Sign, Doug Richmond Auto Repair, by Chase Thomas. The clouds sway across the sky, while the tiger on the sign is ready to pounce. Ring, 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 ring is all Doug hears when he walks into work. Everybody needs repairs. Customers soon become his friends. When Doug was a kid, he liked to take apart his toys. Now he's too old to turn a wrench. So he keeps the base full and the work flowing. One long ring at the end of the day. Doug doesn't answer. He walks away with his tiger. Chase, why don't you tell us a little bit about your process while writing that poem? I heard you mention mumbling a couple words while we were listening to it. Well, I, at first I wanted to name it something else like Tiger tiger shop or something but then we had to change it to to the tiger on the sign Doug Richmond auto repair and at the end I just wanted to do he walks away but then it but then I realized the end doesn't have to rhyme so 
Oh, because you were trying to make it rhyme at first, but then it, the poem became more powerful when you wrote He Walks Away with the Tiger because you kept the theme of the tiger on the sign, right? Yeah. Um, we're going to try to squeeze in a couple more voices, and one of those is Jen Von Felt, who is a, she cleans houses and she also works at Hannaford. My jobs are, I'm a bookkeeper at Hannaford and a house cleaner. And how did I learn to do them? Um, I started at Hannaford when I was 18 and kind of just worked my way up there for the last 13 years. And house cleaning, um, kind of just, you kind of just do it <laughs> and kind of do whatever they ask you, what you want to do. Yeah. So how do you feel about your job? I love my job. Um, I love seeing them. I love being able to be me and dance around and sing just as goofy as I was if I'd be at home. Um, everybody loves it, and they still come back, and they know who I am. And they can say, oh, where's Jen? Where's Jen? And that's what I love to hear. So that was Dakota Von Felt. She was interviewing her mom, uh, Jen, Jennifer Von Felt, uh, for her work as a house cleaner and at Hannaford. And unfortunately, we didn't get to listen to all of the interviews and all of the voices, but I am going to play Isaiah Allen's poem about Veranda because Veranda deserves a huge shout out working on these poems with all of these kids uh, this week. She spent so much time helping us with this project, and it turned out to become a really meaningful thing for a lot of the kids. So here's Isaiah Allen's poem about Veranda, coupled with a picture that really captures the essence of who Veranda is. Daydreams by Isaiah Allen. All afternoon, daydreams swim through her brain while she reads to the children her voices like rain. The crane swoops down to grab a fish. She flies back up and receives her wish. A mother blue jay catches a worm. She flies away and it tries to squirm. The children pick apples from a tree while Veranda recites her poetry. Veranda's daydreams. Okay, uh, Chase was put his hand up when we were listening to that poem. He says, wait, Mr. Sorensen, before we finish this show, I have something that I want to say. Go ahead and say it. Thank you, for everyone, for listening. I would also love to thank everyone who helped with the quilt. Yeah, um, that's including Kavya Ganesh, who is an uh, intern who helped us so much working on this quilt and putting everything together. Not only was she helping with the quilt project, and she was also going around from table to table helping kids with their math packet and math works throughout the whole thing. So she was an incredible um, help throughout this whole project. And remember, we made a uh, thank you clip in class. So let's play that. Also, before I play the thank you clip, don't forget to come to Diversity Day celebration. It's on May 3rd. Elliott Street will be closed off 5 to 8 p.m. And you can see this quilt and the project, uh, the book project, displayed at 118 Elliott Street on May 3rd. And so here's our thank you clip. Thank you for listening. This project is dedicated in... In honor of the Beneke people whose land we are on... Specifically... The Sokoki. With special thanks to... Kavya Kanesh, Judy Dow, Veranda Porsche, Beverly Wright. And we would also like to thank the people of Guilford who we interviewed. Aaron Kachuk, Charlie and Rachel O'Connell, Jason Johnson, Doug Richman, Veranda Porsche, Jared Bristol, Michelle Frazik, Silas Fildate. Kathy Wilkin, Peter Welch, Amy Frost, Retha Wood, Dan Zembruski, Dan Chazowski, Doris Seal, Pete Crossman, Jen Von Felt, Mike Bigham, Lucy Terry Prince. And a special thanks to Susan Bonthram, who bound our book of poetry and original drawings into a beautiful book. That will be displayed with our quilt at 118 Elliott Street in the month of May. This project would not have been possible without the funding from the Vermont Arts Council and the National Endowment of the Arts. 
So we are very thankful for their contribution. Thank you for listening to our show and have a good day.